morning again. Really good to be with you this morning. So here we are, we're in the third week of this new series called Staying on Track. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Ken introduced the series for us, and last week, Ian Crosley looked at uh, staying on track when faced with distractions. That was last Sunday. And we've got all sorts of themes linked to this big idea of staying on track over the rest of this term. Things are coming up like staying on track when God seems silent, staying on track when life turns upside down, when we are troubled by doubt, and so on. And this morning is staying on track when it's easier to drift, thinking about this idea of drifting. Just before we get into today's theme, just a few words on why we're even looking at this uh, idea for a series in the first place. We have a church aim here at CBC, and it's this. It's for people to commit to and become more like Jesus. Hopefully, if you've been in and around our church for even just a little while, you will have heard us talk about our church aim or seen it. It's actually there at the bottom of your new sheet. Did you know that? In big print right at the bottom. Every Sunday, we talk about it to our newcomers, our welcomers lunch, whenever we have one of those. And as leaders, we try to come back to this often. We try to think about all that we do in church life. If there's a good idea, someone suggests a new venture, um, something crops up, we try to assess everything that we do by this yardstick, by our church aim. Does it help someone to commit to or become more like Jesus. And we question and evaluate all that we're doing in the light of that. And staying on track really is just another way of describing committing to and becoming more like Jesus. Being part of a community together that helps people to find Jesus for the first time, that helps people commit to him. And then when we find him, to help each other to stick with him, to stay on track with him, to become more like him. So that's why we've chosen it. It's in and around our church aim. We want to come back to that regularly. And as part of that today, we're thinking about staying on track when it's easier to drift. There's been a trend on social media over the last uh, couple of weeks at the beginning of January, uh, encouraging people to take part in this, the 10-year challenge. I don't know if any of you have taken part in the 10-year challenge. The idea was that at the beginning of January, it doesn't just mark the beginning of a new year, but a new decade. And so on social media, on Instagram and Facebook and so on, people were pasting a picture of themselves now next to a picture of themselves 10 years ago with the hashtag 10-year challenge. And then maybe a comment on all that's happened for them in the last 10 years. It was quite a big deal. Lots of um, celebrities were doing it. Just one example, who was David Tennant's uh, hashtag 10-year challenge. Um, he's 48 now. I wouldn't ever have been able to guess how old he was. And so he is at 38 and at 48, and he goes on to describe his life and his career. I asked our staff team if any of them had uh, taken part in the 10-year challenge, and none of them had posted any pictures on social media. But I did ask Calvin. Calvin's the... Where are you, Calvin? Calvin's the newest of, uh, on our team. We've only known him a year. And I asked Calvin if I could see a picture of him 10 years ago. Stand up, Calvin, just so people can see you now. This is... You're gonna, you are going to be on the screen, but I just thought, that's it, you can sit down. That's great. Look. He looks exactly the same. Although, I've got to tell you, the pose cracked me up. I think... Was that for the front of an album cover or something, that picture? It was from a, for an album, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
And you're sporting the same hairstyle since how long? Since 70 years. 70 years. <laughs> so if you want to know what Calvin looked like when he was four, he hasn't really changed very much. Calvin was um, leading worship at a conference recently, and he was, um, somebody at the conference thought he was Alan Shearer. <laughs> you can see it, can't you? Anyway, the 10-year challenge. When you look back over 10 years, what you notice are the big changes. What you notice are the significant marker points. You notice the graduation. You notice the getting married, maybe. You notice the moving to a new area. You notice career changes you've had, entering a season of retirement, anything significant. And you also notice the, the headline difficult things that have happened to you in those 10 years, the people that you've lost, perhaps, um, personal illnesses that you may have struggled with. You see the big ups and downs of life. But those 10 years with all the significant changes, were actually just made up of lots and lots of individual days. 3,650 individual days with everyday life and everyday decisions. And when we think at the beginning of this new year about drifting in our faith, all of a sudden it's not the big picture that counts it's a, it makes a massive difference looking back on 10 years, so much change. But the big change in 10 years came about through lots and lots of daily, small, individual decisions. And our faith staying on track and not drifting isn't so much about the big picture changes. It's about the everyday decisions that we make following Jesus in the everyday so we're going to look at a reading together, and we're going to look at a reading from Hebrews chapter 2. If you want to grab your Bible, it's page 1201 in the Bibles in your chairs. If you want to follow it, let's have a look at this together. Hebrews chapter 2. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will." We're going to look a little bit at some different passages in Hebrews as we think about this theme. Um, but the author introduces this idea of drifting here at the beginning of chapter 2. This letter is written to people who are really being tested, encouraging them to stay anchored in their faith. The writer is writing to a group of first century Christians who were in danger of giving up. Times were hard for the early believers. Many of them faced fierce persecution some of them had faced persecution with a kind of steadfastness, a joy along with that. Others had lost their faith altogether. And others were in the middle, wavering, and were in danger of compromise. And this letter is written to them, encouraging those Christians to keep their confidence in Jesus. And if you look at the first chapter of Hebrews, it's a deliberate reminder of who Jesus is, his uniqueness, his superiority. Chapter 1, verse 3. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. 
And then in the light of all that in chapter 1, we get to the therefore here in chapter 2, our reading. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. If Jesus is who he is, then whatever is happening around us, we need to pay attention, sit up and pay attention so that we don't drift. I grew up on the south coast and as a family we never really had holidays in the in the summer we never really went away anywhere as a family on holiday so my summers were mostly spent in and around the beach the local beach swimming and playing on the beach we moved here to chichester eight years ago from a season of, of time in london with our two kids in tow and one of the one of the greatest joys of that was coming back to the coast again the witterings beach is gorgeous isn't it i love it when it's empty but mostly with kids in the holidays it's really really busy this is the witterings on a busy summer's day you might have had that experience when you're swimming in the sea and uh, you're kind of just splashing around having fun. Nobody really properly swims, do they? they? You know, you're kind of doing a bit of doggy paddle or jumping in and out of the waves, having a fun time. And after a little while, it's time to come out and you come up to the shoreline and without realising it at all, you've drifted a really long way down the shore. I remember this vividly as a child coming up to the shore and having no idea... All the deck chairs and the little mini tents all just looked the same, having no idea where my family was. I'd lost sight of them. I couldn't, I couldn't remember or see or work out where we'd set up our camp. I'd lost sight of our starting place. Drifting happens without you realising it. It happens when you're getting on with life and you don't even notice it's happening. And it's the same, of course, if you are in the water and if you're on the water, if you are steering a boat, unless you deliberately keep it on course, you will drift with the currents. The Greek word used in our reading, paruomen, actually means to slip away or drift along. Uh, in Hebrews 2, verse 1 that we're looking at, it's the only time that this particular word is used in our Bibles, but it's used in other contexts to describe a boat that drifts away. It's used to describe when a ring slips off your finger and you lose it without noticing it. Drifting in faith is really common. It happens to so many of us, and it happens without us even noticing it. So before we think about what it means to stay on track, what we can do to make sure that we don't drift, let's just notice that the main cause of drifting is doing nothing. Inadvertently neglecting, not paying attention, as the writer to the Hebrews says. There is a current in our lives. You know, we don't live in calm, still, motionless waters. We live with a permanent current in our culture, going in a certain direction. And all we have to do to drift is nothing. I was thinking there are actually lots of things in our lives that can break down just by doing nothing. You know, if I, if I want a fit and healthy body, I, I do, in order to not have that, I don't just have to order a tray of 12 Krispy Kreme donuts and eat them all in order to not have a fit and healthy body. Day by day, I can just not exercise, not sleep properly, not eat particularly well, not pay attention to what my body needs, and I will not have a fit and healthy body. I can um, have a, a, a breakdown in my marriage, not just if 
I choose to have an affair or choose to leave. But if day by day I don't invest in the regular time and love and respect, doing nothing is just as dangerous. Inadvertently, we neglect and we drift without meaning to and we don't know it's happening. So this current for us in our faith pulls us away. It pulls us away from loving Jesus, down shore to pleasing ourselves, away from daily habits of prayer and Bible reading, down shore to over-busyness and to all sorts of other things clamoring for our attention. Down shore, away from delighting in God and enjoying him and worship through to just going through the motions and it becomes a ritual for us. Going downstream from where our whole lives are given over to him in, in discipleship towards compartmentalizing and faith just being about Sundays or when we really need the Lord. So the writer to the Hebrews encourages the believers to pay attention so they don't drift. Pay attention so that we do not drift away. So how can we stay on track when it's easier to drift? I've mentioned swimming in the sea down at the Witterings, which is often really crowded and busy. It's just so easy to lose your place and lose where you are. Whenever we go anywhere with our children, we always give them a place to meet if you get lost. So if we're in a busy shopping centre, we might say, if, if, you, if you lose us, meet at this particular shop. If we're in the tent of Chichester and you get lost meet at the Market Cross. If we're down at the Witterings Beach Hut, our, our reference point, our coming back to point, has always been Grace and Hope's Beach Hut. Uh, Grace and Hope, Grace is no longer with us, sadly, but um, they have Beach Hut number one down at the Witterings. I couldn't find a picture of number one. This is number 17, I think, but it's very similar, just slightly further along. But the kids know that if they're swimming and they drift or if they get lost in the crowd, uh, we're going to be camped near Beach Hut number one. Come back to our reference point. Come back to where we started and you'll always find us there. We all need those reference points, the places that we come back to to stop us from drifting. So let's think about a few of those reference points together which might be helpful. And the author to the Hebrews gives pointers elsewhere in the letter about what may help us to keep from drifting. If staying on track is about the everyday, as we've said, if it's not about the big 10-year picture, if the 10-year picture is made up of lots and lots of individual days and individual decisions, then something that has got to help us is something about making the most of regular points of connection. When we drift down the shore, we can look back and realise just how far we've gone. We've gone miles without looking up and noticing being part of a faith community gives us regular connection points, which just enable us just to come back and look up and pay attention again. The same writer says in Hebrews 12, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith fixing our eyes. That same idea of paying attention, coming back to paying attention, keep looking up. And the rhythm of our, our week and our month and our year can lend itself to regular points of connection where we can come back and pay attention again. We're going to share in communion a bit later. That's a regular point that gives us a chance just to fix our eyes again, to come back 
and pay attention. Certain events in the church calendar give us a shape. Maybe you're helped by certain readings in Lent or in Advent that give us a focus at that time of year. Rites of passage in the Christian journey can be very significant reference points for us, like baptism. And let's not underestimate how key those things are as marker points, as reference points for us in our faith. I've said to you before that, you know, I don't know when I became a Christian. I kind of came gradually to faith in a whole long journey. I don't know when I chose to follow Jesus. I I came into the kingdom in stages. But I do know that on a particular day, on a particular month, in a particular year, I was baptized. And that has become a reference point for me when I've had periods of doubt or, or wobbling. I can look back and say to myself, On that date, I I said that I was going to follow Jesus, not just today, but for all my days. It's become a marker point, and it's such a gift to us. We've got got baptisms coming up, actually, in March, a whole day, morning and evening in March, where the pool will be open. We'd love to baptise people. If you are not baptised, maybe you could do with this reference point a way of nailing your colours to the mast and saying, I do want to follow Jesus. I don't know if it's sorted. There's loads of things I don't know. I'm still on a journey but I want to follow Jesus. And if that's you, this could be such a helpful reference point for you. And if you've been baptised already, hold on to that. Look back to that. I said to Jesus I would follow him, and I'm going to stick with my word. That's my reference point. All sorts of points of connection. You may well have lots of others. Maybe pray in a prayer triplet. Maybe you're connected with Christians at work. You can make a bit more of that connection. Regular points of connection that help us to pay attention and not to drift. In that passage there, uh, the author also talks about throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Ian already helpfully mentioned this, that actually there's something about repentance that is so essential that keeps us from drifting. Repentance actually is underrated and under-talked about, probably, but it's at the heart of discipleship. Because you notice you're drifting, you come to him in repentance, and immediately you're back at base camp, you're back outside the beach hut, you're back at your starting point, straight away, immediate fresh start and forgiveness. And choices that go with that. If, you, if we know that there are bad habits and patterns of things that we've got into that, that don't help us stay on track, confessing those. The word repentance means to turn around, changing direction. And that sounds exactly what it means to stay on track, to not get caught in a current that drifts, but actually choosing to turn around, to walk in a different direction and go against the flow. We're also encouraged to spur each other on and get stuck in. In Hebrews chapter 10, if you've still got Hebrews open, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Spur one another on. I... Love the thought, and I live by the thought that faith is community, that faith is about staying on track together. 
We use the analogy of running a race. Paul talks in Philippians about pressing on and winning the prize, running the race. It's an image we use um, when we talk about the, the race of the Christian life and staying on track, you know, staying in your lane and so on. But where that analogy falls down ever so slightly is that runners are running at the expense of everybody else, that their eyes on the prize regardless of what anybody else does. Actually, you want other people to lose so that you can win. But actually, faith is community. And as we stay on track, we help others stay on track. And we encourage one another in that faith community. We're in this staying on track business together. That's why our aim as a whole church is encouraging people to commit to and become more like Jesus. In just a moment, I want to show you a short clip from the uh, World Athletics Championships in Doha, um, just in the autumn four months ago. And in this clip, um, we see an Aruban athlete called Jonathan Busby. He's running in the 5,000 metres, scorching hot day, is overcome by the heat and isn't able to finish. And how another athlete from Guinea-Bissau, Bremer Darbo, comes alongside to help him finish. Just have a look at this. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's, it so funny, he staggers over the line, stops his clock, <laughs> see if he's got a PB. <laughs> I love that, because it's, it's not just the two runners running together. It's not just uh, you know, the guy from Guinea-Bissau kind of encouraging him along. It's the crowd as well, isn't it? Cheering, wanting them both to finish the race. We're in the staying on track business together. And um, what would it look like to regularly spur one another on? Each other, to encourage each other, to keep each other on track on the race bringing each other back if we need it, helping those who are limping along, being the person to encourage, being willing to be helped, speaking into each other's lives, allowing people to speak into our lives, regularly spurring one another on, and not give up meeting together, the author writes. It's much harder to drift if you are stuck into community life in some way. Here at CBC, we're keen to stress that we don't want to be the sort of church that is just about filling our, our gaps for the rotor. If new people come, we're like, oh, it's, an, it's a person. What can they do? What can they give to us? Where can we slot them? That's not our heart and our aim at all. We want people to serve and get involved in areas that fit for them, that fit their shape and fit their heart and their desires. And we're also very keen to equip people for their frontline places. And we know that lots of people have very, very demanding frontline places that actually don't have much capacity necessarily for church stuff. All of that is absolutely fine. It is just as spiritual to serve God by being the best teacher you can be or the best project manager or the best parent at home to your kids as it is to be on a rotor leading the home group, of course. But there is something about getting stuck in that helps people stay on track in their faith. Those of us who are only here with Sunday attendance, it's just much harder to feel connected to the community. It means we're much more likely to stay on track if we are stuck in in some way, in any way, small or large, a connecting point where we can spur each other on and get stuck in, somewhere where you can serve and be known. So as we sum all of this up this morning, there's just a reminder as we started that in order to drift, all we have to do is nothing at all. Nothing. We don't live lives of faith in neutral. If we do nothing, if we neglect our faith, then we will drift. It's far easier to drift than it is to stay on track. 
And so just finally, just a reminder of this point, staying on track will take intention and decision. It's something that we choose to do, making the choice every day. We're here at the beginning of a new year, beginning of a new decade. Let's, let's not worry about New Year's resolutions and doing things out of obligation or duty or, or some kind of willpower that's only going to let us down. We are in Christ. The Bible says that we are already new creations when we come to trust him. We are already camped out at our beach hut. We already have our reference points. I'm new in him. And our task is to be who we already are each day, each week, and each year in our whole lives. Staying on track and not drifting is about the intention and decision to be who Jesus has already made us to be today. And then we get up tomorrow to make the intention to do that again tomorrow, to make daily choices for him, to find regular connection points, so that when I look back over 10 years, over a decade, then those daily choices will mean that I'm still on track. Let's pray together while the band come back up. And we'll just bring our whole selves to the Lord Jesus, thanking him that we are new creations, that we belong to him, we have our reference point, we've made a decision of faith, and he might just want to fix your eyes again and just tell the Lord that you want to make that daily intention and decision not to drift, but to make those choices for him. Lord, help us to do that, we pray. Amen. Amen.